Our Father, who is in heaven, thank you, Father, for another Lord's Day, another opportunity to worship you, to serve you, to study from your word. Father, we ask you to be with us as we conclude our studies on the epistles of John. We pray, Father, that we have all been made better for your glory after these studies, that we've been able to draw closer to you and your son, that our love for one another has been enhanced, that our faith has been enhanced, and that, Father, our confidence in regards to our salvation has been made uh, even more assuredly. Father, continue to be with us as your people. Bless us, God, as we try to shine our lights in this very dark world that we live in. May our love for you and one another abound more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you've had a wonderful Lord's Day. Today is the Lord's Day. It is Sunday, and I hope that you've been able to worship God today. I hope that you've been able to receive encouragement from brothers and sisters in Christ, and I hope you've been able to, to study from God's Word and to grow in your knowledge and in your faith if you are a Christian. Today we are going to be concluding our studies in the epistles of John. Over the last few weeks, we've studied 1 John. We studied 2 John this past Wednesday. And today, we are going to read and study the book of 3 John. Now, like the book of 2 John that we studied this past Wednesday, 3 John is also a very short book. In fact, it is the shortest book in the New Testament. It is a book that only contains a few words, but let us remember that these words are inspired of God. They come from the Holy Spirit. God felt the need to include this epistle in the canon, and for that reason alone, this little short book is worthy of our study and our consideration. In fact, it is interesting how when studying the small epistle of 3 John, John revisits a lot of the same topics that he tackles in his previous epistles. A lot of the same concepts and ideas that are found in the book of 1 John and 2 John are also found in the book of 3 John. In the book of 3 John, we find John once again revisiting the topic of truth and the need for Christians to walk in the truth. John also revisits the topic of love. And the need for Christians to love God and love one another. John also addresses the, the idea of fellowship again. And how to be in fellowship and maintain fellowship with God and one another. So a lot of these same concepts, a lot of these same topics are also found in the book of 3 John. But one of the key differences with this book compared to the other two epistles written, written by John is in this particular book, John addresses some, some specific Christians. He mentions some specific Christians by name. He mentions three Christians by name, Gaius, 
Diotrephes and Demetrius. Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. John mentions these three specific Christians in this book, and we're going to base the structure of our study in this video around those three, those three Christians. We're going to look at what John says to these three Christians, and we're going to see what practical lessons we, we can learn from that. And so let's just read this very short epistle, 3 John, and I want you to watch carefully uh, what, as, to what John, as to what John's going to say to these three specific Christians. Watch carefully for when he addresses them, what he says to them, and see if you can pick up on some lessons that we can learn from what John has to say to them. In 3 John 1, it says, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is, how you were walking in truth. I have, great no, have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers. And they have testified to your love before the, before the church. You would do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, for they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men, so that they may be fellow workers with the truth." I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words, and not satisfied with this. He himself does not receive the brethren either, and he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good, the one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write to you, but I am not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we will speak face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. Okay, in understanding these verses, again, we're going to uh, try to structure this study around the three Christians that are mentioned in it. And so let's begin by looking at the first eight verses. Our first point for this lesson is going to come from the first eight verses. And in the first eight verses of this book, John has some things to say to Gaius. Gaius. Now, someone says, who is Gaius? Well, it's hard to know who exactly this particular Gaius was. I say that because there are many different Gaiuses mentioned in the New Testament. For example, there is a Gaius of Macedonia that is mentioned in the New Testament. There is also a Gaius of Derby, 
Luke mentions a Gaius of Derby. Evidently, this particular Gaius traveled with the Apostle Paul into Asia. There's also a Gaius that is mentioned in the book of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says that one of the few people he baptized in Corinth was a man named Gaius. There's a Gaius of Macedonia, a Gaius of Derby, a Gaius of Corinth. There are a lot of different Gaiuses mentioned in the, in the New Testament. Evidently, this name Gaius was a very common name in the first century. And so for that reason, it's hard for us to know which Gaius John is referring to here. But regardless of which Gaius John is is referring to here, I think there's some very clear things we can conclude about this man. I think from what we, we see here in this book, this particular Gaius was a Gaius that was thought of well by the apostles, particularly he was thought of well by John. He was a Christian. He was a faithful Christian. He clearly seemed to be a good man and a man that the apostles had a lot of confidence in. And so I want to kind of draw that out of the text. Going back to 3 John, verses 1 through 8. Notice how in verse number 1, John begins this book in the same way that he began the book of 2 John. He begins this letter by referring to himself as the elder. The elder. The elder there, that language that John uses, is probably a reference to John being an older man at this time. He's an aged man at this time. Many scholars suggest that the book of 3 John, as well as 1 John and 2 John, and the Gospel of John were all written towards the end of the first century, maybe between 80 and 95 AD. If that's the case, it is very likely that when John wrote this letter and all of his other letters and books, he was probably between 80 and 90 years old. He's a seasoned man. He's an older man at this time, and that is probably why he refers to himself as the elder. John says, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Notice how John thought a lot of Gaius. He begins this book by commending Gaius, by expressing his love for Gaius. He says, Gaius, I love you in the truth. And what a wonderful thing it is to hear brethren express love for themselves and for one another. What a wonderful thing it is to hear an apostle tell another Christian, a fellow disciple, that I love you. I love you in the truth. John says he loved Gaius, and he also said he had been praying for Gaius. He, he said that he had been praying that Gaius would be in good health and that Gaius would not only prosper physically, but also, and more importantly, prosper spiritually. He says, beloved, I pray that in all respects, in all respects, you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. He wanted his physical health to prosper, and he wanted his spiritual health to prosper. John says he had been praying. He had been praying for Gaius. And as a point of application, I want to submit to you that what John does for Gaius is something that we constantly also need to be doing for one another. Uh, throughout the, the New Testament, we find numerous admonitions and appeals from the writers to us that, that we should be praying for one another. 
We should be praying for one another as a spiritual family. We should be praying for one another's good health. We should be praying for one another's spiritual growth. We should be praying that we all have evangelistic opportunities and that we make the most of those opportunities. We should be praying that we all have wisdom and courage and strength as we try to navigate our way through this dark and sinful world. John says that he had been praying for Gaius, and just like he prayed for good things to happen to Gaius, we also need to be praying for good things to happen for one another. We need to be praying for spiritual prosperity and physical prosperity. There's nothing wrong with that. We see John did that for Gaius. And then in verses 3 through 4, John also says that in addition to, to loving Gaius and praying for Gaius, he also says that he was glad to hear good news about Gaius. He says that he was glad to hear that Gaius had been walking in the truth. Again, verse 3, I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is how you are, how you are walking in the truth. This was something that John also made mention of or alluded to in the book of 2 John. And 2 John 4 when speaking to a group of Christians that he evidently was very familiar with, he said in 2 John 4, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Notice how once again we see that John, John was the kind of man who was so happy to hear brethren who were doing the will of God. It brought him so much joy to hear of Christians learning the truth, growing in the truth, and holding fast to the truth. John says to Gaius, I've heard some things about you, and they have been good things. I've heard that you are holding fast to the doctrine, that you're not being deceived by Gnostics, that you're not being drawn away by false teachers. You're walking in the truth. You're holding fast to our teachings, and that just brings so much joy to my heart. John says that Gaius was a man of truth. Gaius was a man who walked in the truth. He walked according to the inspired teachings of the apostles, and that made the apostle John very happy. And we need to also understand that when we do the same thing today, when we walk in the truth, when we hold fast to the apostles' doctrine, and when we refuse to allow false teachers to lead us astray, we also bring joy to God, we bring joy to Jesus, we bring joy to the Holy Spirit, and we also bring joy to, to the apostles. John was happy to know that Gaius was walking in truth. He was always happy to know when Christians remained in fellowship with God. And then a final thing I want us to notice from what John says to Gaius is John also commends Gaius for his generosity. In verses 5 through 8, that's really what verses 5 through 8 are all about. In addition to John saying to Gaius that he loved him and that he was praying for him and that he was glad to know Gaius was walking in the truth. In verses 5 through 8, John also tells Gaius that he had heard about his generosity towards, towards the people of God. He says that he had heard about his, his, his hospitality. I think from this we see that Gaius was a very hospitable man. He was hospitable especially to brethren and strangers. 
disciples and strangers. See, evidently, Gaius was a man. He was a Christian who was willing to open his home to brethren who were in need. It didn't matter if they were poor. It didn't matter if he knew them well or not. It didn't matter if they were being persecuted and running for their lives. Gaius opened his home to the, to the poor saints, to the persecuted saints. He even opened his home up to Christians, John says. John says that they were men who had been sent in the name of Jesus, and they were spreading the gospel. And, and maybe Gaius wasn't a preacher. Maybe Gaius didn't have the talent to preach and teach God's word. But one of the things he did do is he, was, is he supported preachers. He helped preachers. He showed love and support to traveling preachers by opening his home to them. That was one of the ways in which he blessed them and rewarded them for their labors in the gospel. Gaius seemed to be a very generous man. He may didn't have a lot. I don't know if he was rich or poor. But I do know that whatever he did have, he shared it with others. He opened his home to, to the brethren. He aided preachers by giving them a place to stay as they spread as they spread it the name of Jesus. He was a good man. And it's interesting how when you study the New Testament overall, you see that there were a lot of people like Gaius in the first century. One person that comes to my mind when I think of Gaius is Barnabas. Barnabas was another good man. He was an encouraging man. He was a man who used whatever resource he had to help needy Christians. And so Gaius opened his home to the brethren. He was somebody who was like he who was like Barnabas. But when we get to verses 9 through 11, John transitions. And he goes from addressing Gaius specifically to, to talking about a man named Diotrephes. He talks about Diotrephes. He talks to Gaius. And I believe this letter is primarily addressed to Gaius. And after commending Gaius... John then talks to Gaius about Diotrephes. And in verses 9 through 11, we see that Diotrephes was the total opposite of, of Gaius. Unlike Gaius, Diotrephes was not a supporter of truth. He was not a friend to preachers of truth. He was not a humble man. He was not a man who had a servant's heart. Instead, he seemed to be a very arrogant man. He seemed to be, a very, to be a very prideful man. He seemed to be a man who, even though he was technically a Christian, his goal was not to serve the people of God. Instead, it was to lord over the people of God. His goal was to have position and preeminence among the people of God. He was not a lover of truth. He was not a servant of truth. Instead, he was an opponent of the truth. He was an opponent of those who supported the truth. He was an opponent of the apostles. He was an opponent of the apostle John. He was someone who oppressed the truth. He refused to circulate letters that had been written by John and addressed to the brethren. He opposed John. He opposed John's teachings. 
And he also opposed those who were companions of John. John says that he tried to throw disciples out of the church that he didn't like. He tried to throw people out of the church who supported the apostles and supported the apostles' teachings. He was a man who unjustly denied fellowship to those who supported the teachings of the apostles. He was a wicked man, an arrogant man who tried to put himself in the position of Jesus. And in verse number 11, John says very simply to Gaius that Diotrephes was the kind of man that should not be imitated. Don't follow after Diotrephes. Don't follow in the footsteps of Diotrephes because he's not a man of God. He doesn't have a servant's heart. And John says that this man was so evil that he was going to deal with him when he arrived, hopefully, one day in person. John says if there came a day when he was able to meet Diotrephes in person, he was going to call attention to his deeds. He was going to call out his wicked and evil behavior. He was going to deal with him because he was a man who opposed the truth and he unjustly denied fellowship to righteous brethren. Diotrephes is not a good man. He's a wicked man who did not accept the apostles or their teachings. He's not like Gaius, but then there's one other person that's mentioned here. And this person is mentioned in verse number 12, and that is Demetrius. Demetrius, John says, has some things to say to Demetrius. And we don't know a lot about Demetrius. Don't know a lot about who this man was. Based on just this one verse, though, I think we can conclude he was a good man. That he wasn't like Diotrephes. He wasn't a man who had made it his mission to be preeminent or to have high status in the church. Instead, Demetrius had a good reputation. John says Demetrius had a good reputation among the brethren. He had a good reputation among the apostles. He had a good reputation when it came to the truth. Because he walked in the truth. This man was a man like Gaius. And I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. If there was only one verse, if I was living during this time, in the time of the apostles, in the time of John, and there was only one verse that mentioned my name in the Bible, I would want it to, 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 to be a verse like, like that of Demetrius. If my name was only mentioned one time in the Bible, I would want it to be mentioned in this way. I would want it to be said that I had a good and godly reputation among the brothers, the brothers and sisters in Christ. I would want it to be said that I was, I was a proponent of truth and that the apostles knew that I was a good man who tried to do the right thing. Demetrius, we don't know a lot about him, but we know that he was a man who had a good reputation he wasn't like Diotrephes. He wasn't a wicked man in the church. And so, there are three men that are mentioned in these 12, first 12 verses. Gaius, Diotrephes, and Demetrius. All three of these men were men that John knew, and they knew John. And John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us some things about these men. 
of these three men that are mentioned here, two of them are good men. Two of them are righteous men. Two of them are men who possess qualities that we need to imitate. And the other man, nothing good is said about him at all. He is a wicked man, an arrogant man, a man who all he cared about was having preeminence and lordship in the church. His mind wasn't on serving Jesus. Instead, it was oppressing the truth and oppressing those who were supporters of the truth. Three men here, two we need to imitate, one we do not. That's verses 1 through 12. And then in verses 12 through 13, John concludes this letter by saying that, saying a few other things to Gaius. He tells Gaius that he had many other things to say to him, but he didn't want to say anything else in, in written form. He didn't want to say anything else to him in this letter. Instead, he hoped to see him soon in person and he would continue speaking to him about the things of God in person. He also sends him a friendly greeting, and he wished peace upon him and upon the brothers and sisters. And so this is a very short book written to Gaius, a man of God, but as you can see, there's a lot of lessons to be learned, a lot of lessons about godly character and, uh, and lessons about how even though these people are not prominent Bible characters, even though they're not on the level of Paul and Peter and John as far as the number of times they're mentioned in the Bible, they're still people we need to imitate. They're still important, an important part of the Bible story. They were intimately acquainted with the apostles, and the apostles tell us things about them. And I think the reason why they are mentioned is because the Holy Spirit wants us to learn lessons from God's people in the first century. And so even though Gaius and Demetrius and Diotrephes are not Peter and Paul and James and Judas, they're still, they still are real people, real people who believe the same things we believe, and we can learn important lessons from their lives that can help us today. In fact, that's how I want to conclude this video. I want to conclude this video by giving you some application some quick application, and I'm going to give you application based on what John says about Gaius, Demetrius, and Diotrephes. First, in the case of Gaius and Demetrius, again, while we don't know a lot about them, and while they're not talked a whole lot about in the New Testament, these two men are worthy of our imitation. We need to try to be like Gaius. We need to try to be like Demetrius. We need Gaiuses and Demetriuses in the church today. We need people who walk in the truth like Gaius. We need people who are hospitable and are willing to show kindness and generosity to brothers and sisters in Christ like Gaius did. We need people who are willing to su support preachers whether domestic or foreign, and are willing to aid preachers of the truth as they try to spread the gospel. Gaius was a man who maybe didn't have the talents to preach, but he still used whatever talents God had given him. God gave him clearly the talent of kindness and generosity, and he used that to further the cause of Jesus. We need Gaiuses. We need 
men who walk in the truth. We need men who are hospitable. We need men who support those and encourage those who preach the truth. We need people like Demetrius who have good names, who have good reputations, whose names are not tainted and polluted. But when you hear their name, you immediately think that's a that's a faithful Christian. That is somebody who's trying to do the right thing. They may not be perfect, but I know they're right now in their lives trying to serve the Lord to the best of their ability. Gaius and Demetrius have qualities worthy of imitation. And we got to challenge ourselves to have those qualities. And we also got to challenge ourselves to never be like diatrophies. Let's not make, be, make sure that we're not like Diotrephes, people who have pride, people who seek position, people who walk around thinking they're better than others and that they have authority over others and have the ability to judge people's hearts. That's the kind of man Diotrephes was. He was an opponent of truth. He was someone who falsely accused the children of God. He even falsely accused the apostles, inspired men of God. He unjustly denied fellowship in the church. You know, that's one of the unfortunate things to, to really see here is that even to this day, there are people like Diotrephes. You may know people like Diotrephes, people who think they can judge people's hearts, people who unjustly deny fellowship without clear facts. That's how Diotrephes was. His heart wasn't right. He thought he was on the level of Jesus. He thought he was someone who knew it all. He was all about being a boss in the church, not a servant like Jesus was in his life. And so this book is about three Christians. Two of them we need to imitate, one we do not. And my final question is, as you have studied this book, and hopefully as you continue to study this book, which one of these Christians best describes you in your life right now? As you examine your own life, and all we can really do is examine our own lives and our own hearts, are you a Gaius? Are you a supporter of truth? Do you walk in truth? Do you support those who are, who are trying to spread the truth? Are you an encourager to those people? Are you a Demetrius? Are you someone who you do the best you can in, in your service to God? You try to keep your name good among the brethren. You try to shine your light at all times on your job and your community among your brothers and sisters, and even on social media, you're always trying to make sure you have a good name. Does that describe you as the kind of man Demetrius was, or are you a Diotrephes? Is your mindset always about me, me, me? I want position. I want a name. I want authority. I want power. I want to exercise power over other people. Is that your mindset? Are you a, are you a Diotrephes of the three people mentioned here? Which one best describes, which one best describes you? Now that's, that concludes our studies in the epistles of John. And Lord willing, 
until we're able uh, to get back to meeting again as a church family. I will continue uh, trying to do some studies on Wednesday night and on Sunday offering some, some video studies until that time comes. I'm working on some things right now. Uh, I certainly want to thank Brother Brian Sheely for his help and, and, and helping me video these studies and getting these things out. Uh, since we've started this at the beginning of the pandemic, we've studied Hebrews, we've studied John's epistles, and we're going to have some other things coming over the next few classes, again, until we're able to meet again in person. And so thank you for studying with me today. Uh, please look out for another video that will be out on Wednesday, Lord willing. Uh, there's, there, we can never go wrong when we just open up our Bibles and study and do our best to draw closer to God and become more like Jesus. And so may God bless you. And I hope and pray nothing but good things upon you and your family.